Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Trenace Rose, a yoga practitioner, actress, songwriter, healer, and mystic. She worked at the Mindfulness Program at Scripps Center for Integrative Medicine in La Jolla and has expanded her studies in the field of Qigong, Buddhism, Shamanism, Holistic and Naturopathic Medicine, Nutritional Healing, Animal and Marine Mammal Communication, Energetic Healing, the Hemisync Method, and Astral Travel. Today, we are going to talk about her new book, Akashic Alphabet. This was the fruit of six years of research, solitude, and ongoing meditation. Quite a mighty project and a beautiful result, so I am delighted to welcome Trenace. Hello, Miriam. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. Very and well. Thank you thank for you. having me. It's my pleasure. Now, I understand that you began to practice transcendental meditation at the age of 16. How were you introduced to it, and how did it affect you at such a young age? Well, my mother arranged for me to have a meeting with a yoga practitioner, and she took me through the steps and guided me through it, and it really resonated with me. Even at that young age, I just took to it and uh, explored yoga classes subsequently in school and went, went on from there. How would you distinguish between yoga as a physical practice and as a spiritual practice? That's a wonderful question. Um, the majority of classes that I have found or experienced are really more like exercise classes, yoga classes. True yoga classes entail a practitioner who is uh, who is licensed and has taken a certain number of several hundred hours in a curriculum study to enable them to teach the postures through an infused an infused way of of life, meaning a, a, a God centered consciousness. And I was very blessed to have an instructor come into my life at an early age who was an SRF monk for 27 years. And uh, his classes were unlike anything I had ever experienced because sitting in, in, in the postures in his class, he would sit in the front of the class. He was almost like uh, a Gandhi, an American Gandhi. And he would download information from source and infuse us with this beautiful wisdom, this ongoing wisdom, taking us through all the postures while all the all the while we were connecting to source. So this was a, a, a remarkable experience, to say hmm. the least. Yes, it sounds like it. You know, very, very formative and transformative. And yet, um, you were drawn into the arts and, and age 20 became a member of the Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood. You then won awards for songwriting at the Nashville Song Festival. What inspired you to shift your focus to healing and spirituality? Well, my husband passed away when he was 29, and that was a very interesting ordeal, to say the least, and it changed my life. Um, he had leukemia, and I lived with him at UCLA Medical Center for about six months in the hospital with him while he went through a bone marrow transplant. 
and during that time I was doing a lot of reading. One of the books that I bought for him, which I felt would be a comfort to him, was a book by Dr. Raymond Moody entitled Life After Life, uh, which I guess since has sold over 13 million copies, and Dr. Moody is quite a remarkable man for his work in this regard. In any event, um, this path took me on a journey, and when my husband ultimately passed, uh, my mother arranged for me to have a reading with a world-renowned channeler by the name of Reverend George Daisley in Montecito in Santa Barbara, California. And I, when I met Reverend Daisley, I was 28 years old and very young, <laughs> obviously. And while I was open, slightly skeptical about the whole thing. But as I sat there and he began, what unfolded was truly <laughs> beyond words because for two hours he brought my husband through to me very, very clearly and cited probably 35 or 40 instances using direct dialogue that my husband had used with me. And uh, it just changed my life. It, it completely, it was as if someone just pulled the rug out from under me and said, well, you thought life was like, th like this? Take a, look, take a look at how it really is. So that was transforming. And I, it really put me through a kind of metamorphosis. And for the next year or so, I kept wondering, why is everyone around me acting so differently? And it didn't really dawn on me until a couple of years later that I was the one who had shifted. I had changed, and I was perceiving everyone so differently. Mm. Did you feel sort of estranged from, from your circles? Yes, somewhat. And my contemporaries, because they were younger, really didn't understand. And most young people, and most young people, have not had a mortality at such a young age at someone so close, mm -hmm. grandparents perhaps. But when it is someone so close to you that way, it really um, puts you through a kind of a, a change, a transition, and you really do look at life differently. Uh, absolutely. And I get the impression, and I wonder if uh, it's your impression as well, that more and more people are opening to this. And I, I wonder whether it is a shift in the times or whether the veil is really thinning. Um, you spent six years in solitude um, and uh, in the practice of meditation. Uh, what was your impetus for going into solitude and um, what was the result of it? The universe, I think, orchestrated this entire scenario as it does everything obviously um, it was not my intention to literally spend the next six years of my life in solitude particularly but I, I had gone to a chiropractor and I had an adjustment and it hurt my back very very badly and caused very intense pain so that I was forced to be on my back for a little over a year where I would either have to lie on the floor 
or lie on a flat surface. And as we all know, things that often appear to be tragic or, or very difficult circumstances turn out to be gifts in disguise. So while I was in that condition, really all I could do was read or write. And so I, I, I began the outline for this book. But there were other factors coming into play that all kind of lined up like ducks in a row that really brought me to that point to decide to do the book. I had lost both my parents in the months before. They had both passed within six months of each other. I then had some really what some would call miraculous kinds of experiences with their spirits coming to me. And I also went through a rebirthing session about which I knew nothing, and that was not typical of me because usually I do research before I go into something like that. But there were medical therapists present there with me, and I truly uh, experienced what is called a satori, and that is that is a a situation where one really is put in touch with their true essence or their inner self and connects to the collective consciousness. And that experience, again, was another of many that really changed my life because I, I, I went out of body for about probably five, five minutes or so, literally out of body. And I had never, ever encountered anything like it. I was not expecting it in any way when it, when it happened. And when I came back in, my body felt like I weighed about 500 pounds and I could barely move any of my limbs for about 20 minutes. I, I felt so, so heavy. And I realized later that it was because I had been in the light and coming back into the body, you feel that, that density of gravity so heavy, so heavy. And it was just astonishing. There are no, no real words to describe the bliss of it and connecting into a space where you feel as if there are millions of tiny parts of you literally everywhere and that you're no longer contained in one in one body you know so many people um practice meditation but uh i think relatively few uh, succeed in achieving that level of cosmic connection that you describe it's um truly truly wonderful and i can fully understand how transformative it must have been for you so um it was a blessing you um you also had a very close connection with um yogananda um tell us about that and how that related to your book you know um i had read yogananda's books over the years and it was it was one evening that I was reading his book, uh, The Resurrection of, uh, pardon me, The Second Coming of Christ, uh, The Resurrection of the Christ Consciousness, which is a beautiful two-volume series. And I, it was at the very beginning of volume one, I think it was page 20 or 21, when he spoke about God creating planets and universes in the light. And when I read that line, 
there was something that just went off inside me. And I thought to myself, what if I were to write a book showing a graceful connection of oneness in various cultures, spiritual and cultural belief systems all over the world, and, and portray this through a lens of light, of brilliant light, as if one were almost looking into the astral realm when they were looking at these visions. And the idea just, it just, it was like in a heartbeat, you know, it hit me, and then it gradually took shape. And the more I thought about it, it would not be quieted. It just, I, I developed this passion for it, and it began building and building and building. And then I had the little accident with the back, and there were just, as I said, there were these series of things that all led up to me being literally forced, you know, to be on my back, but yet enabling me to then focus and concentrate and write and create this. Yes, yeah, so often the um, accidents that befall us in, in retrospect um, were really blessings in disguise. I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed who had that experience of enforced lying on their back for extended periods. And just that concentrated, continuous period of of contemplation and meditation and being in the quiet um, is is transformative. And when you when you contrast that with our everyday life, you can see um, how difficult uh, it is to achieve that state when we're so involved in life. So it it can be a blessing. So, so tell us about the the book. How did how did this vision actually translate into what um, is uh, arguably an absolutely gorgeous, um, beautifully illustrated, uh, highly spiritual compendium? Um, how did you achieve the the visions for each letter of the alphabet? Thank you for. For, for such beautiful words, Miriam. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't really talk about this normally to, to friends and, and family and so forth because it is, it is kind of a sacred thing for me. And, well, plus the idea that the general public is not particularly open and aware of such things, or if they are, they may have a high degree of skepticism about it. But my mother was very prophetic. Uh, she was, even as a young child, she predicted things in advance, and she was quite remarkable. And I believe my mother was truly a healer on different levels, even though she may, may not have even been aware of, of the gift that she was given. Um, for many years, since I was a young person, and when I would listen to music, particularly music of a spiritual nature, I receive visions of things, and I also receive words and information. And I, I began journaling it and writing it down, and this book actually is a journaling of received information. Now... There was research done 
because some of the visions that I received seemed a little bit exceptional or unusual. For example, one of the visions is that of Dalai Lama, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, dancing on a lake near Lhasa, Tibet, with a Buland dolphin. So together they're there on the waters of the lake. And I thought to myself when this vision came in, what in the world is this? Are there actually dolphins in the Himalayas? You know, that those mountains are 15, 20, 30,000 feet high. And so just for the heck of it, I Googled in that moment, I Googled uh, dolphins in the Himalayas. And do you know that just about two months before that, they had just had the first sighting of a Bulan dolphin uh, in, in the Himalayas. And um, these dolphins are, are called sightless dolphins because they don't see. They, they operate on, on a different sensory level. But just I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, but that just gives you an idea. So um, the, I have done enormous research for the book, and there's an extensive glossary that really opens up a beautiful panorama uh, of, of the vignettes and expands, expands them to, and clarifies them. But the visions and the information that I receive is is from source. I, it, I, it comes. I, it's just channeled. I'm like a little hollow straw, so I don't take credit for it. But um, but I don't I I don't know how I know it. I just know it and I feel it and it comes in and and that's the best way I can describe mm. it to you. Mm. Now, you you actually connected with a very talented artist to sort of translate what you saw in your mind's eye into these beautiful illustrations. Um, who is he and how did you find him? This is such a, a wonderful story. Uh, I live in uh, Southern California in San Diego, North County area, and uh, Paramahansa Yogananda Temple is just up the coast from me, about 10 minutes. It's a beautiful beautiful temple that sits on the bluffs and overlooks the ocean. I searched for two years to find the perfect artist who could convey the refinement and the detail that I was seeing in my visions. I probably interviewed at least 30 artists, maybe 28 to 30 artists and looked at their work, and while most of it was beautiful, it just wasn't quite right. And because in my mind's eye, I knew exactly how the figures needed to look, the features of the people, the colors, the placement, and the whole vibration that was needed to, because these visions needed to be infused with love so that when the reader would uh, would read read the text and and see the visions, see the beautiful paintings that they would receive the vibration, the beautiful high 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 level of vibration that had been infused into them. So it was going to take someone very remarkable to be able to put this onto the canvas. And I I finally. When I wasn't having complete success, I finally went down to UCSD and I put a little white index card in the student center there, describing my project just briefly, asking for an artist. I thought, well, maybe a young person who's really open and, and aware and connected. 
And I got a call two days later, and it was an older gentleman with a strong accent. His name is Sergei Irov, and he was from Russia. And he called me. He, he was the father of a son who was going to be attending university. And he happened to be in the center and saw the card and said he was extremely interested in the project, that, he, that his work had, he had done work that was placed in galleries and museums all over the world, and that he was a master artist and sculptor. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm never going to be able to afford someone of this caliber. And so I discussed that with him and told him the situation. And he was going through a little bit of difficult, uh, a financial difficulty himself at that time. And he said he's, he agreed to do my project for me on a, on a very reasonable basis for me because he really loved the subject matter. So as it turns out, he tells me he lives... He lived right here in Encinitas, which is 10 minutes from me, and I had been interviewing people all, all over the country. And also, he was a devotee of Paramahansa Yogananda. Oh, so I, I just, it just, it was a gift. It was, it was orchestrated. Obviously, it was orchestrated. And when I first went to his site and I viewed his work, another, again, a lightning bolt. It just, boom, there it is. That's it. And I knew it in one second. It was his figures, his the features in his in his in the figures, the people, his the artfulness and the beautiful delicacy of his work was just phenomenal. It was otherworldly, and I he has uh, murals and paintings on in chapels and on ceilings, uh, in monasteries and in different galleries all over. So I was very very grateful to receive him and to have him come into my life to do this for me. Well, what I found so fascinating about his work is that you you <clears throat> mentioned earlier um, that uh, you want people to um, sort of view life through the looking glass of light. Uh, light was very, very important. And um, it's fascinating how he manages to convey that in these pictures why why um what is your your uh, interpretation of this looking glass of light well miriam the largest electromagnetic field produced by the body is generated by our heart <laughs> and researchers researchers have analyzed the field and results have shown that emotions are encoded within it. So by shifting our mind through intention, the information encoded within our heart is also shifted. Therefore, the field is shifted and it impacts those around us. So as we infuse the world with love, by focusing on the beauty and the joy of life, through a lens of light, a healing effect takes place. And it will be produced in all living beings as well as the air and the land and the seas around us. So we are generators. We're really living generators. And, you know, I believe in the strength of this intention so fervently that that is why I spent this going into the seventh year creating the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the the visions that have been created in this, in this series of 
of uh, master art illustrated vignettes are really they are they're like shining prophetic paradigms of the new world what will be happening what is happening and what will be taking place on, on this level and on various dimensions i worked with sergey very very closely on every nuance in the illustrations typing copious pages and giving them to him to describe the way i wanted the light in in the vision the the way it was to shine on the people's faces the colors their features their their clothing the the, the type of indigenous plants and nature that were in every one of the scenes i researched and researched and researched so that it, it is all very valid and authentic and he listened and he heard me and he and he really was able to tap into my vision so clearly and accurately it was just beyond belief so i am again very very grateful to him for for really hearing me and being with me and tuning into that vibration because it it just it made it it made it helped mm-hmm. me make the book exactly how i envisioned it to be it's interesting at the bottom of every page uh you you finish with all are one and um yet each of the pages illustrates as you said earlier a different culture a different uh um, spiritual icon. You have J for Jesus, K for karma, and so on. You you um, pull together really the the panorama of spirituality and make it uh, anchor it and make it very personal. Um, are you pleased with with how? the vision came together do you do you feel that you could have got done better or do you feel complete in this uh, i i you know as a writer we, i will often go over things many 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 times to get the, the, the polished to get the word polished so that it's just right but often verbiage like i, I have told you before will come into me and i don't have to polish it at all in in looking at the book in the completion of the book i'm very very pleased with with the result of it and i actually have a future plan now to do a children's book based on a very similar premise because i think that this kind of information for parents who are really open will be critical f- for young people and i think young people like indigo children crystal children rainbow children um all young people born in the new millennium although indigos were were born a little earlier these children that i'm discussing are 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 uh, are children that that are really very connected to source that have a greater degree of innate talent to be able to tap into the astral realm have greater telepathic ability and even uh, te- uh kinetic ability mm-hmm. so so children w- i think it would be very very rewarding and educational for young people uh, particularly ex- particularly very sensitive intuitive young people who are open because sensitive intuitive 
people are usually gifted with the sight and being able to tap in into other realms mm-hmm. um, well, really the give them that intuition you know yeah really the the purpose of the book is to trigger things inside the reader that they will resonate with so yeah. um, I you know what uh, I throw out an idea for the future? Uh, yeah. It would be interesting to see this book um, as a multimedia book with um, music for every page. That would be fascinating, you know, you know having, having it read out with music in the background. You know, those are my thoughts exactly, Miriam. You're, you're a very intuitive lady yourself. I have an index, actually, and... I was so fortunate to receive music for every vignette. I often listen to Soundscapes music on cable. I don't know if you ever listen to that channel, but it's beautiful. There's a lot of New Age music and spiritual and otherworldly kinds of music. And I asked, I was praying one afternoon, and I asked for music to be brought in to me for, for each vignette. And do you know within the next week, I had received the absolute perfect, perfect <laughs> songs from the perfect artists. And so I've indexed a whole, a whole category, a page. And I, I thought about doing a CD in the book to, so that the person uh-huh. would open it and then, you know, they would turn the page and then the music would, you know, maybe 45 to 60 seconds of music for each vignette. But it would have, it, it got a little bit convoluted because all of the music was by different artists and so forth and so on, and it would have required quite an undertaking. And I was under a little bit of a time frame yeah, to, get all the to get the books printed and so forth. But that's a fantastic idea. And actually, um, my PR person, Ginger, is um, is uh, speaking with someone right now about doing a video for the book. <laughs> so, so you were very intuitive to suggest that. Thank you. Um, Tell me, tell me about your connection to whales and dolphins. They they appear uh, quite a lot through your book. About three years ago, I uh, went up to the Institute of Noetic Sciences to study the hemi-sync method, which is a, uh, it's a it, you 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 put earphones on and you listen to uh, CDs of vibrations. Actually, this was developed to for brain tumors, and they, what they found was it, it balances the right and left hemispheres of the brain. But what they also found is not only did it help the brain tumors reduce, but that it helped other forms of illness within the body. And that while people were doing this, they would begin to have out-of-body experiences and, and uh, encounter all kinds of extraordinary visions. While I was there, I spoke to one of the teachers and told her about my interest in whales and dolphins and she said well if you love marine mammals you must go see Joan Ocean over in Hawaii she's one of the world's leading foremost marine mammal communicators so a year later I did that and I went over and I spent a week with Joan going out on the boat many many miles out into the ocean with a small group of people and we had wetsuits on and we would go in the water and we spent hours in the water every day and it truly was magical. There were hundreds of dolphins, and they would come up to us and interact with us and build a bridge of communication with us. They would be scanning us and circling and sometimes come over and brush gently. And it truly was just 
magical. That's the best word I could use to describe it. Now, Joan Ocean believes that that marine mammals are multidimensional creatures and that there are actually portals deep under the ocean, many miles down, where where, where they come and go into different dimensions of time. They, they travel through different dimensions. When I did one of the vignettes in the book called S's for Spirit, and it shows a beautiful humpback whale floating on his back on the seafoam surface waves of the ocean near a, a Tahitian island of Wahine. I show, I show deep under the ocean depths colonies of marine mammal beings and the whale is actually dying the humpback whale on the surface of the water is actually going through his transition into spirit form and there was a part of me that was in the whale in this vignette because it really illustrated the experience that I went through when I went through the rebirthing session where I experienced the complete silence, the complete silence, and then a very gentle, soft, buzzing sound began, like an electric current moving throughout my body. And it was as if I knew in, that, in those moments if I could just place my hands, it was as if my hands were vibrating electrical currents of pure light and if I could just place them on anything I could heal it that they were they had become healing instruments it's hard to describe this but I'm trying to and so the whale really going through his experience there's a part of me in that as he makes his transition into spirit because I believe that what I experienced was a letting go of the physical body and the beginning of a, of, of a journey into the oneness, which is where I believe we all go when our, when our uh, physical body dies and our spirit leaves our body. So have you uh, since then actually uh, been able to convey that healing energy to other people? I don't call myself a healer, and I don't profess to have healing ability. But with anyone I ever come in contact with, I always endeavor to share my light and my my healing energy with them in whatever ways that I can. Mm -hmm. And I don't do it as a practice. Mm -hmm. It's just I, I live it. You know, I live it. Of course, there are many ways of healing and and healing of the spirit and and just um, conveying this kind of information is healing in and of itself. So you are a healer. Yes. So are you are you are you optimistic about the future of humanity on this planet? Yes, I am, and you know. I believe that it is of major, major importance that we that we can 
shed light to the mainstream about the, an, an, the other remarkable side of life that is taking place on this planet that is not discussed by the media or written about. We, we, you know, we, we hear about news of, of, of disease and war and terrorism and, and toxins and all of this ugliness. And rather than focusing on that and, and giving it our energy, which only builds it and strengthens it, we need to acknowledge it but then put it on the back burner and we need to take our focus i believe we need to focus on the beauty and the joy and the light and wondrous things that are going on on this planet that are not discussed for instance there are millions of people across the continents who are sitting in meditation whether it's in valleys or on mountaintops or in temples and they are praying to heal the spirit of mankind. There are people who are chanting, who are who are envisioning uh, uh, future uh, visions for the planet. Now, this this goes on, and it and it goes on, and it and it is surging like a beautiful wave uh, all around our planet. And but it is not discussed. I think. This, this information needs to be focused on and discussed and brought to the media so that in Hollywood, directors and writers and producers, when they get educated and made aware of what's going to be happening when we are, when we are operating and will be operating on the, on the fourth and fifth, sixth, seventh, and even the eighth dimensions, which, which will then enable us to literally time travel. The, the, that's on a metasensory base, and, and, and the, the eighth sense we operate is in the, is in the in, insula of the brain. That area is contained in the insula of the brain, and we will be tapping into that. And when, when these things happen, when the directors and writers can be made aware of the enormity of what's going to be taking place, they can begin to truly produce innovative cinema that will raise the consciousness and the vibration for the planet. And it will be like a beautiful domino effect just filtering out across the countries. As you know, you know, millions and millions of people will, will watch films and will read about this. And then when these seeds are planted in the consciousness of man, instead of viewing our Mother Earth as a ravaged, war-torn planet in the future. We can begin to see her as a paradise kind of Shangri-La with an evolved consciousness and an, and an enlightened, enlightened beings on the mm. planet. And this is critical for our very survival because we can be future shifters. We mm -hmm. can shift the future by our intentions and by our beliefs. Right now, we're filled with the other side. And this, this needs to change, and it is changing. There is a shift happening on this planet. We're, everything's going through a metamorphosis right now, but it needs to pick up speed. And so all of us need to contribute and, and, and make it happen, and it will happen. I believe that it will happen. Your title is Akashic Alphabet. Um, how do you understand the concept of the Akashic Records? <laughs> The Akasha is the space between matter and 
there have been studies in the last 10 to 15 years that have developed an ever-expanding theory by physicists that there is an energy field where everything is connected to everything else, literally, everything. So within the Akasha, within the Akashic field, it is said to contain a series of Akashic records which hold an infinite history of mankind with an energy blueprint of every self that has ever that has ever lived and every uh, uh, every uh, pardon me uh, with unlimited elements okay so the akashic records that house this knowledge into infinity from the from the beginning of time is is housed in the collective consciousness we can tap into the collective consciousness. We can tap into the Akasha through meditation. And when we then and we can receive the answers. We can receive all the answers through that practice. That wasn't a really clear uh, definition and pardon pardon me for stumbling, but it's not an easy thing to really try to describe because it's 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 rather ethereal. One of the things that I like about this concept is that every thought, word, or action that we do kind of hangs out there for eternity and is the sum total of creation, really, that we create for better, for worse, good, evil, um, and in between. And it is part of what actually forms the collective consciousness or the Akashic record. And if this concept were accepted more broadly, people might reflect a little more deeply about their actions and, and misactions. Um, because even though um, we have the concept of karma, uh, a lot of people think, oh, well, nobody will know and you can get away with it. This is particularly poignant um, at this season where we've just come through an election. Um, so uh, I think a book that talks about expanding consciousness that talks about the Akashic record, the, the global consciousness, um, really focuses our minds on um, the consequences of our thoughts and actions and how important it is to, to reflect and um, be aware and awake um, when as we go through our daily lives and the vision that you have put forward in your book about, I guess, what we would call our highest potential, the, the most beautiful expression of the various aspects of humanity, of culture, of, of spirituality, 
of our children, our planet, the beauty, the the, the togetherness, um, is weighs weighs very heavily on the side of the light. So I want to commend you, Trinace, for for this lovely book and for the really the spirit and the thought behind it. Ah, so we're. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and 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 you're absolutely right about about thoughts and actions, because our intentions, I think, are really the the truly critical thing. Mm-hmm. Our our intentions, which can be which can be expressed through so many different kinds of venues. You know. Yes. Yes. Indeed. So um, I've I've uh, given you my reaction. Have you had uh, other reactions from other people? What do you What do you hope that readers will take away from your book? I thank you. I I I feel that this book will be um, just perfect for people that are in the place to receive the information and. I think it may be particularly helpful for people who are facing life transition, their loved ones, their caregivers, because this offers insight into other realms of life, other realms of consciousness. And it really reveals the probability that we really come from light and that we return to light mm-hmm. and that you know there is an everlasting that, that continues um, very very important it's, you know one of the most major questions of of mankind is you know is there anything else will we continue mm-hmm. and i've tried to i've tried to touch on a, on a lot of these different elements through different cultures and beliefs, showing the universal truths that run parallel in so many of them. And how, you know, the indigenous native peoples, for example, the bridge walkers, they, they believe so fervently and want to unite humanity. Their dream is to unite humanity through teaching their sacred prayers and ceremonies such a beautiful, beautiful people, the way they treat Mother Earth and, and revere her and honor her and all living beings. And this is something that, 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 that we can all take away with, you know, from that with. Here, here. And uh, what is the website for the book or your website? The book website is www.akashicalphabet.com. Pretty easy, since that's the title of the book. It's a beautiful, what I would call a coffee table book, but um, just beautifully, beautifully printed, um, large format. And uh, the author is Trinace Rose. And I would like to thank you very much for being with us today, Trinace. It was my pleasure, Miriam. You can find the Akashic Alphabet, along with all the books we discuss here, on our website, ncreview.com. Next week, our guest will be Brent Marchant. We're going to discuss his very interesting book, 
consciously created cinema, the movie lover's guide to the law of attraction. I hope you'll join us. Do you review? Reviewers are the cornerstone of New Consciousness Review, and we are always looking for enthusiastic readers to join our team. You get first peek at leading-edge books and build your library in the process. Reviews don't have to be long, just your honest opinion, and you'll be providing an important service to the community. So if you're interested, email us at reviews at ncreview.com. And now we're going to close with our track of the week. It's called Angel by Celia. Too close to 
Angel by Celia Farron from her album Breathe. Celia's website is celiaonline.com, and Celia has been described as a cross between an earthy Enya, Joan Baez, and Tina Fey. She dishes up the most delicious concoction of the silly and the sacred with powerful, heartfelt vocals and wacky comedic improvisations. The audience never knows what will happen with Celia on stage, so check her out now at celiaonline.com. And now I see that we have a little time left before the end of the show, so I'm going to leave you with a commercial for our book, What Wags the World. Honestly, folks, you would really enjoy it. trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight and I interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Coming in September, but available for pre-order now on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. Well, that's our show for today. I do hope you'll join us next week. Until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.